it is what most people, why people want to be their own boss. They want to work hard. They want to be successful. Okay, it comes with the stresses. It comes with the grief. But then there are the highs as well. And the highs include making money and buying nice things and going on nice holidays. The Architects of Business on Joe, in partnership with EY Entrepreneur of the Year, telling the inspirational stories behind Ireland's most successful entrepreneurs. Hello and welcome back to the Architects of Business on Joe, made in partnership with EY Entrepreneur of the Year, where we hear the inspirational stories of some of Ireland's most successful entrepreneurs. I'm Sonia Lennon and this week I'll be talking with Kieran Mulligan, Managing Director of International Irish Company Blue Insurance. Kieran, thank you so much for coming in to talk to us no today. Um, so the good news is we're both on brand for Blue Insurance. You sure are. Um, I would have expected it from you. Um, You're definitely on brand. I today. am though. Yeah. I'm a die. Totally. Yeah. It's all. I have good. to give you a job in Blue Insurance. <laughs> New brand ambassador, maybe. Okay. Okay. Um, so uh, your story is kind of fabulous. Um, let's start at the beginning, which is always a good place. Sure. Um, I get the sense from you that you have a, a sort of a, an unquenchable ambition within you. What was little Kieran like? Was when did that begin? Oh, little Kieran. Um, well, I grew up in Clunchock when uh-huh. I was was uh, in primary. Uh, then went to Joey's in Fairview. We moved. We moved to Glasnevin probably when I was about twelve or thirteen. Went to Joey's in Fairview, which is well known for different people, including Charles Ahi and a few others. Um, and during that time, sort of probably when I was about 14 or 15, um, my mom said, it's time for you. No more pocket money. It's time for you to get a part-time job, etc. So I would have started off in um, bar work, well, lounge boy initially, yeah. then bar work. And at one point at 16, during the summer months, I was managing the cricket club in Clontarf. At 16? At 16, um, doing the lockup and everything with it. And um, then from there, obviously, as I was doing my leaving cert, uh, I, I had the feel and I wanted to do the marketing side of things. That was very attractive to me. Um, but I missed it by a few points. I got five honours, two passes. So I missed it by a few points and decided, right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to repeat for mm-hmm. a year, make sure I get it right. And then within a two or three months, where, um, do you, where are we going to repeat? Ring's End or somewhere, was it? I think it, it was Kabarak was, okay, was, was very the good. closest one or wherever that I was at the time anyway. Yeah. Um, but literally after a month or two, I was like, nah, I'm not doing this again. Um, so I decided, right, let's get my CV out to different companies. But I said it's going to have to be a little bit different for them to notice. So um, I put in the likes of dislikes, rain, communism, cricket, likes, dining out, pinstripe suits and so on. Uh, and Coyle Hamilton said, oh, this is, he's a bit different. Let's get him in. Amazing. And uh, started in there in the Marine Aviation Department on, on a lovely whopping £7,000 Irish punt at the time. Sorted! <laughs> <laughs> and then realising, uh-oh, I can't survive on this alone. So um, because I had the barwick experience, I think I did a little bit in Club M as well. Um, I, I joined Lily's Bordello. I was the VIP barman in there from 1990 to ninety-six. And I uh, met all the celebs, Julia Roberts, Brad Pitt, Mel Gibson, everybody was in there. Everyone at Eurovision, the whole lot. Um, I used to do it on a Wednesday, so I'd come home from work, have a go home for a nap, uh, and back out 10 o'clock until about 2 a.m. and then back home and back up to work the next day. Could you do that now? No way. I don't know. <laughs> like, even when I was 30, I was going, how the hell did I do that? You know, it's just something. So how old were you when you 
were doing that? I was in my 20s, early okay. 20s, 1920. Okay. The fervor until. of youth. But it was great because it gives you um, the social, you know, experience with mixing with people, conversations. And that's all part of how you, uh, you know, a lot of a lot of winning businesses about socializing with yeah. people and being able to chat and network with them. And that's the key. Even though I still consider myself an awful networker, I will not walk into a business room and go and start chatting to people. I sort of nearly go to the corner, get my coffee and then let people come to me. Yeah. Um, but you know, maybe a few. Was there a little piece of of that world, um, that that VIP world, um, kind of slightly giving you a different context on the world? Um, it, it it sort of made me. Well, one of the reasons I did work was because I wanted the nice things in life. I wanted to be able to afford the holidays. I wanted to have my own car. I wanted to have my own place eventually. So. The part-time work helped with that. Obviously, you get tips from, you know, we always love Lisa Stansfield when she came in. Everyone would Big get tipper. Tri- Big Good tipper. Good to know. <laughs> Big tipper Lisa was. We all, in fact, I know when there was change in ownerships, Lisa went around Lily's Bordello getting a petition to make sure all the staff were kept as well. Oh, that's so, amazing. So nice, nice um, thing to do. But, you know, I wanted the good things in life and I kind of felt, well, you're going to have to work hard to get these good things in life. And See, I, I think that's kind of fabulous because... In Ireland, there's a, there is a problem with mm-hmm. kind of owning that desire for for money and for what it can bring, and not not just money for money's sake. We we you know it's it's sure. the desire to earn it for what life it can give us. Yeah, I think well. Luckily for me, you know, that I did do that in those early days is considering the different crises that have been, the cost of housing over the number over the years. I was able to get on that house ladder very quickly. Um, Probably, I'm trying to think when that was, but it was my my, my first uh, house that I bought would have been a townhouse in Blanchestown in Waterville, and actually, and still it have would to this not day. have been fashionable at that stage socially to say that you ambitiously were chasing money. Probably not, but you know, it is what most people, why people want to be their own boss. They want to work hard. They want to be successful. Okay, it comes with the stresses. It comes with the grief. But then there are the highs as well, and the highs include making money and buying nice things and going on nice holidays. So, so apart from Lisa Stansfield, what were the early influences then? What, you know, what helped you to form this picture of the future? Um, I, I always liked Richard Branson. I think, I think for him, the success, the Virgin brand, it was always a bit different. It was always a very sexy type of brand. Everybody loved it, loved anything relating to it. Um, and now as I see him, like, it's all about caring about the environment and caring about people. And I think that's a great, he's a great person to look at and go, that's the type of person that I would like to be as I move on, as I get a bit older and I have a spare change to look at making things better in, in the environment and, and with people and so on. Um, I also, like, I have to have, I have to say I'm, I'm very respectful and I think Michael O'Leary did a great job. He, he was here, he paid his taxes. Um, he made a small Irish airline into one of the biggest airlines in the world. I don't believe in, in when things go wrong and they blame everybody else for it. You have to take the blame for that. Uh, and personally, I, I, I'd spend another 50 or 100 quid going with Aer Lingus because unless, you know, I don't like the grief of flying. I want it to be easy as possible. Mm-hmm. Some people love it and that's fine as well. But for me, um, but I do respect what he's done and what he's achieved. So. And it definitely democratised flying. There's no doubt oh, about dear, that. It made, it made affordable for everyone. And so what about your parents in all of this? Was there a sort of an entrepreneurial bent in the household? 
Um, no, my dad was a sales guy for a hardware company, um, and my mom then worked part-time in Eason's. I think it was Roaches before then, then became Eason's. So, um, no, they would, they would work during the day. We'd come home from school, make our own sandwiches. Back in those days, and mm -hmm. nowadays a lot of kids don't, they have to have minors and so on, but we minded ourselves at mm -hmm. six and seven. Um, but yeah, no, it's... Um, I don't think they drove me in any way to be an entrepreneur. I know one of the things my dad said during the time when I was in Coils, I think we were having an argument over something, and he was going, sure, what would you know you're a pen pusher? And he didn't mean it in a nasty way, but it sort of made me think, I won't be a pen pusher, I'll be my own boss, I'll be very successful as we go on. And you sort of, even though it didn't matter to you at the time and you moved on, you think about it as you go on in your career, and you think about, well, I've been successful. And, and to be fair, like my parents, when we were finalists in the EY in 2011. They were so proud that night at the awards and their dad and his tux and lamb and the family and friends. So it was You really must nice. have been pretty proud yourself. I was, yeah. And it's a, it's, a, it's a great achievement to be nominated and to get into the final. Unfortunately, we didn't win at the time, but that's fine. Uh, the following year, we won uh, Travel Industry Entrepreneur of the Year and this year, I won Businessman of the Year with uh, Chambers Ireland, which was nice as well. It's all right, so, isn't it? So yeah, so look, it's look. The best thing about um, being part of the EY Group is that we became alumni. Yeah, and you're part of this bigger family. It's a club. I always say to people, it's a club you can't pay to get into. It's a club you earn to get into. You earn the right to get into it. And there's such an amazing bunch of people in that EY alumni community. You can ask anybody anything. They're there to help. No airs and graces, everybody's there to try and assist where you can. And it's a great community to be in. So what have you learned from it? What have you taken out of it? Apart from obviously the network that's so potent. Like has there been moments where you uh, were faced with a decision and, and that decision was changed either by the knowledge of the network that you'd gained? Yeah, we were in a, we were in a mentoring group. So some of the alumni, were, we're all mentoring each other. Mm -hmm. uh, this is probably about two years ago, three years ago. Uh, Johnny Walker would have been one of them in the group, and Emmett from Smiles and so on. And we were talking about you know, the potential of down the road selling the business and getting the right finance partner in there and so on. And a lot of that was just guidance as to leading up to something else, because a lot of them, Emmett had sold his business, Johnny the same. So it was all been very good in moving that along and giving you that right advice as how to go as well. It's so powerful, isn't it? Brilliant. To be able to live through somebody else's experience and, and learn from the mistakes and from the successes of yeah, that. Yeah, and it's a great networking um, group to be in. As I say, I'm not a brilliant networker myself, but everybody makes you feel so welcome when you are in that group as well. Brilliant. So let's go back then. Um, you're, you're pen pushing your heart out. That's it, yeah, big time. <laughs> so, you know, you have the little niggle as in this is not me for the rest of my life. What was the catalyst then? Well, the catalyst of moving from coils was the salary was still poor. So at that time, after six years, 12 grand, I think it was punt still at that point, um, it was time to go to another broker. So I left them and went to Willis Caroon. My job was to deal with Green Isle Pizza account. But within three weeks of being there, a former partner of mine said, oh, I have a group of travel agents looking for a quote for a business. And so I went out, met with them, gave them a quote. I was pretty confident that we would get it. Um, and on Christmas Eve, I remember being in the office and I get the phone call saying, congratulations, you've won our business, half a million pound account, travel savers it was at the time. Um, and we're delighted. And then the MD at the time said to me, you're not going to be doing green oil pizza, you're part of a new business now and so on. But I was there for about six months. And did you know that that was a kind of a tipping point for you? Did you see your own ability kind of coming to the surface at that stage? Yes, there, there, there is always people that influence 
within that business for you to move out, stay there or go on. Uh, my colleague at the time that was in there was in saying, look, I'm looking at leaving. You know, I was only 26 at the time. Um, we met with another broker, which was Kinlan Insurance's Nate Kinlan, and I joined there at 26 and became a director at 26. So salary still was was better than what it would have been mm-hmm. on, but you know, starting off. But within a short period of time, my salary had grown. Um, I had shareholding. I earned the shareholding in the business. So um, I was there for six years. Was winning winning travel insurance business with the travel trade in Ireland. So you were developing your micro niche. You knew exactly where you were. Yeah, we knew we could deliver. We had the right market at the time. We were dealing with somebody in Lloyd's, um, and we knew we had the right product. And um, literally, then within within the six years, uh, my my new business partner at the time, Rowan. Uh, was knocking on the door a few times. I had dealt with him in England when he was in England and he kept saying, well, why don't we get into business? Why don't we get into business? And I rejected him twice and the third time I said, right, let's do it. And, and why did you reject him? Uh, I was happy enough. I was comfortable in the job that I was in. Um, but it was coming to the point where, again, colleagues and so on, you sort of felt it's time to move on. Uh, the MD of Kindle Insurance's name was a gentleman, 100%. I actually worked with him afterwards. But uh, it was time to move on and it was time to be my own boss. Mm. Time to start, you know. I knew deep down that I could deliver, that I could provide a better product than anybody else, even by going out on our own. And Rowan had some business with uh, a smaller company had at the time. So we got together, came up with blue because blue sky, blue sea, everybody loves the color blue for travel insurance. And by October 2003, we opened the doors, only three of us. Um, I think Rome was still playing golf in Galway. He hadn't come over yet. But <laughs> another few weeks he joined us. Uh, myself, Diane and Rowan. And then literally um, kicked it off in January 2004. And from there, the company just grew every year since we opened. We, <clears throat> we always gave the impression. So Blue, people saw, we're very professional in design and, and creativity and everything. The marketing piece coming the marketing out. Marketing piece, yeah. Um, even though I didn't get to do it in Galway, I got to do it during my though, right? during the story. <laughs> exactly, it's still there. I think a marketing team are still telling me, stay away from us, stop interfering. <laughs> You're a danger. Yeah. So, um, so a lot of the Irish companies thought we were from the UK because it was so professionally done and so on. We were probably one of the first online insurance providers in the country. So we really kicked off that whole niche of people paying online. Now, this was the travel agents initially first booking rather than booking on pads and so mm-hmm. on. And in our very first year, we won um, Best Travel Insurance Provider, which is the first time anybody in the industry in their first year had won. And since that day up until this year, we have won an award every year for Amazing. Best Travel Insurance, whether it's in the north or the south or whatever. It's but your, your first year, you turned over three million. Yes. So... Um, and we picked up, at the end of that year, we picked up the budget travel account. So now I would have known the people from before, but they weren't a client before and went in and budget travel was a £2 million account. It was a nice one to pick up. Amazing. Uh, but I can imagine um, that margins in your sector are pretty tight. They are in, in motor, in home. They're, they're a bit more flexible. There's a bit more there. And in travel and the niche products, there's definitely more margin in there. Okay. So we were able to make that bit of margin. But we would have reinvested it into the business. So any profits that we made, I think the first year probably would have made 30 grand profit and then jumped up as, a, as you went along. But we always reinvested it in. And, and do you, because you, I know you built out a lot of your own technology as well. We did. The, 
a guy that I knew from my previous company in, in Kinlan Insurance is the IT guy. He had left the company he was working with and was going out on his own. So I said, oh, here's an opportunity. We go to him. He'll give us a good deal because he needs he's starting off, which he did. He gave us 12 grand for a site for an online solution. But it's like anything when, when, you, when you outsource a lot to IT companies, not all of them, but to some, um, when you start to add on bits and pieces. Mm-hmm. So we wanted to add on another piece, and yet that was going to be 12 grand. We said, hang on, you built a whole site for 12. Mm-hmm. He goes, oh, no. But, so we decided, no, Dave, we're going to offer you a job in Blue as IT director. Come in and we'll pay you. You take a share in the business. And he and, did. And that changed, really. And that, that how you, how you well worked for, for everything, yeah. So okay, the, the, the story gets better. <laughs> Let's take a quick break sure. before we come back. The Architects of Business on Joel, in partnership with EY Entrepreneur of the Year. So, Kieran, you had this amazing beast that was growing, 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 being awarded and getting accolades from from every sort of platform you could imagine. Sure. Um, how did you stay ahead of that? Because it, it, it sounds like it was a freight train. Yeah, there, there's always an element of luck in anything in business. Um, in the very early years, we decided to launch some products relating to travel. So car hire excess, wedding insurance for the honeymoons. Um, a motor breakdown for your. And are these couple. still B two B products, or are they direct to consumer? Direct stage? to consumer. Okay. There are some B two B with but brokers etc. That we deal with, but they were in their infancy. And yeah. I remember, like when we were even kicking them off, the big larger insurers out there were laughing at us and were sort of going, oh "God, God, they're doing these small niche things." But they've all they've all developed into it because they've seen the margins were good in over the years. Um, so we we rolled those out. We went into the we went into Northern Ireland in two thousand and six. And uh, that led us into the UK market um, in 2000. And so just because it's, al- it's always interesting when you, when you um, move yourself out of your own territory and into another one. And Northern Ireland is a- another territory, really, it with is. its own yeah. attributes and, and issues. Different culture. Totally. And- yeah. And so how, how did you protect yourself during that first move before you even went to the UK? We, we managed to pick up a travel agent with three shops called Terra Travel and they were in Lurgan and a few other places. Um, and I got a phone call on the Friday of one of the bank holiday weekends back in 2006-07 from this agent saying, we're part of a bigger group of agents, consort group. Um, there was a company called Whiteley's who were offering insurance, but they didn't have the pen to write it. And now we're, we were at the issuing policies to people that were in legit. Can you help us out? What does that mean? They didn't have the pen to write it. So basically, they were they were given certificates, but the underwriter sitting behind that hadn't given them the authority to do it at the time. That, so I'm taking it that's not good. Not good. <laughs> so there was this panic on. I said, look, if you can get so up they to... They were a, in a bind. They were in a bind. Can you get up to us this weekend and maybe help us out? So I spoke to our underwriter and said, look, if we take on this book of business and I charge, say, 15 or 20% over the next year loading on top of those, will you cover the existing policies that are already there so that these guys are not going to be left stuck? He said yes. So I went up on my Friday and spent three on days. On your white horse. My white horse. <laughs> and uh, yes, I uh, clip clopped around uh, Northern Ireland, met with the agents. And like at that point for me, it was like, I didn't know whether I say north, south, whether you're Ireland or whether you're UK. And you had, you sort of was very much, now today I'd be very comfortable about it because I, there were, a lot of them become friends of mine and so on. Um, 
So you're saying culturally you didn't even know how to put the words together. Yeah, like, is it, is it do I say I'm from, you know, I would yeah. say obviously we're from Dublin, from the, but, you, you know, some were nationalists, some were unionists, yeah, so you yeah. had to be careful about, what, you know, what you were saying. Now, today, I wouldn't even think twice about yeah. it, so I'm, I'm always giving them, slagging them for their accents and so on, yeah. but, uh, and I say they become friends, but that was, a, that was a change. That was something that you just, another part. And actually from that, uh, one of my pals um, from Northern Ireland had said to me, you had changed a lot of way people's perception of the gay community for you can come up because they, they hadn't met you before. They hadn't come across a lot of gay people. You didn't come across like it was being overly camp or whatever. And it changed your perception of that's that. That's interesting. So that was a nice compliment to get. Now, whether it's true or not, I don't know. We'll see. And that's really important to you because you, if I'm not mistaken, were the first company in Ireland to ever get behind marriage equality, is that right? Well, the first company, as far as, I'm, as I believe yeah. I'm aware, oh, that you can commercially... There's nobody here but the two of us. <laughs> commercially advertised to promote marriage equality. Amazing. Um, so we, we are, I was part of a group, uh, Glenn, uh, the network, employee network, employers network, and um, we had met. And there, and there was people from a lot of American multinationals, and they were all saying, look, we're supporting it, but we, be, while the referendum is on, we cannot come out and say yay or nay. Um, I decided, well, I'm, I own the business. Um, my staff are LGBT friendly. Yeah. There's no issues. Um, they all know that I'm gay. And so we decided to, to take Dublin Bus. We couldn't, we couldn't do radio. We would have done other platforms, but Dublin Bus was the only one that we seen that we could get out. And we got Marvin out with supporting Brilliant. Yes Equality. And very proud of the company to do that as being the only ones that actually commercially advertised to do that, you know. And in a way, I think now, you know, increasingly companies um, can't afford to have a sort of a, a shallow or soulless existence anymore. The market won't tolerate it. You have to know what you stand for. There is, but then there's also when you see all of a sudden everybody with the rainbow flag and everybody going around, you know, okay, everyone's supporting pride and so on, and but everyone's going around, why didn't they do that beforehand? Mm. Why didn't they do it before the referendum? So there's a bit of there's a bit of ironic there, isn't to how people. I heard I heard last that. week some a crazy thing that it was a straight only gay pride march some somewhere. I have no idea where it just came up as a soundbite that it was uh, the first ever straight straight only gay pride march. Which I just thought, hang on a second, <laughs> that can't well, be I, right. <laughs> there, there was feedback this year saying there's too many companies, you know, jumping on Definitely. the bandwagon, and I think maybe to rein that back in will be good. But again, look, it's a commercial decision by the yeah. organisers of Pride, you know. So, you're somewhere between the freight train and the white horse at this stage, and you... Crisis comes in. Yeah. Economic crisis comes in. So, VHI had launched their multi-trip product for 49 for the year. We've been telling agents during those earlier years, start pushing multi-trip policies, start, because, you know, people are going to move away from single yeah. Some of them did, some of them didn't. Um, so, we decided, right... Uh, it's time for us. We were seeing the the evolution of the Reiner.com, the Erlingus.com. People were pulling back from agents a little bit, and we're saying well, we're seeing a bit of slippage here. How do we deal with this? So we decided to come out with annualmultitrip.com, which within about three months we changed to multitrip.com. And you were the first in the market to do that? First in the market. Amazing. Um, we got out there. We were selling for twenty one ninety nine, where VHI would have been at 49 and then you were your banks and other providers would have been between 99 and 150. Mm -hmm. So we've definitely brought down the price of products in the Irish market, especially travel insurance. Amazing. Again, it was like, we'll, we'll be competitive. We'll take a small bit of the cream 
and we'll get bigger volume and that worked yeah. for us. And that was one of the key things. So in 2008, the crisis came along, um, people stopped traveling or weren't doing the two and three mm -hmm. and four holidays mm -hmm. a year. They were down to one, but because we were competitive on the pricing and it was nearly as cheap as some single trip policies, people still kept uh, buying our product. We decided where everybody, a lot of people had stopped marketing and stopped advertising, we said, we're going to continue doing it. But what we're going to do is we're going to look for 50% off the price. We're going to look for 100% more ads. We want bigger run on the buses and so on. And that worked very well for us. To this day, our procurement policy is one of the things that have been the highlight of our success. Amazing. And uh, even some of those ads, those deals are still in place now to this day, which is great, you know. Never waste a good crisis. Never waste a good crisis. You can, you, and uh, that was another thing, actually. Uh, budget travel had gone bust in 2008 should never have gone, but it did. That was a big dent to our income, but we had already adapted. We said, right, what's going to happen here? People are going to emigrate abroad. Let's launch backpackertravelinsurance.ie and .com in the UK. Amazing. And as a result, then we were getting big sales coming through on that with everybody coming. So you cushioned yourself through, through the worst of times. And then by the time we get to 2012, you start a process to buy back the company from your partner. Uh, or yeah, probably 2013, 13, yeah, well, yeah uh, there was a bit of, there was a bit of like during those stages, we also launched pet insurance, we launched multi-trip in Australia, we went onto the aggregators in the UK and that was going to be, we had spent money on the underground and on Manchester and buses, but to be honest, the money, the value you get in Ireland, you wouldn't get that in the yeah. UK. So that wasn't going to be a successful route for us, so we decided let's roll out onto the aggregators, the money supermarkets, the confused.com, et cetera. We only pay commission when we get a policy sold. And then the tack was that we'll get the renewal the following year. So we put out three brands, annual travel insurance, gray cover, multi-trip, competing against mm. each other, moving them around the top mm. 10 and blocking others from coming in. So that had done very well for us. We kept continuing to grow. In 2011, then EY kindly informed us that we were finest of the EY uh, 2000, emerging category 2011. And 2012, then myself and Rome were travel industry entrepreneur of the years. And then myself and Rome decided to go to London for a meeting with underwriters in North London, this dingy, dingy place in North London. We were up early, four o'clock in the morning, finished the meeting, I'd say about 10. And we were drive, walking back to the train station. And I said, Mom, somebody, we always mess and say, somebody offers you five million now, would you take it? And he goes, yeah, yeah, yeah. So on the way back, I sort of saying to him, if somebody offered you five, would you, would you take it? And he goes, yeah. And he goes, I'm tired, I want to rest. Now he's only 43 now, so. But he wanted to, he had a big, a big family, he wanted to rest. The next day we were going for an Eddie Rockets and I said to him, if somebody still offered you, would you take it? Are you serious? And he goes, yeah. So by the end of that summer, we had done an agreement. Perfectly amicable. Perfectly amicable. And he was able to finish up literally within a month or two of us. So it was great for him. Um, and then that was bringing us to the next level of blue insurance and the new change in the business. We're launching, going to launch two-year car insurance to your home. Again, we wanted to be different and innovative, so it wasn't going to be purely about price. So we had gone around to the whole of the Irish market looking for underwriter support. They all kept saying, yeah, yeah, we want to support you. But when it came to the end, they were enabled. They said the technology and so on. But um, we found two underwriters and we launched the uh, blue two-year car and home in June 2015. And that had gone very well for us because premiums were going through the roof at that time. And did you know what you were shaping up for at this stage? Um, I think it was the next level of what the business was to do. We, the year that I bought Rowan out, actually, we just finished a management for grow course with the IMI. Mm. 
And Rome would have been on that. And Maeve, my uh, colleague, um, my, she's head of or director of operations. She's my rock. She's mm. the one that controls me. She's mm. my boss. Um, but we were on that course. And that really helped us in taking the business to the next level and bringing in that layer of senior management, layer of junior management. Because you're always wondering at what point, you know, you always wonder when do I need a HR manager yeah, and yeah. so on. Um, so that was very good in uh, in leveling, bring us to the level that we knew and to take And changing your own positioning, I suppose, of what the company was capable of. Yeah, well, I would have been in the middle of the floor right up until 2015 until we knew we moved yeah. premises, and then they, they put me into an office and left the, <laughs> left the key on the outside. <laughs> There's probably a reason. I think they were all delighted that I was in there because I'm, I'm very much too much hands-on at times. But, um, but yeah, so, uh, so that took off for us. Uh, the prices of insurance were increasing rapidly in, in the last few years on motor. And people were able to buy two-year car insurance and it's fixed for the two years as well. Amazing. So um, at that point then we were sort of, things were going well for us. We were in Australia, we were in Ireland, we were in the UK. Uh, the home and motor was gone and we decided then maybe it's time to sell. And I think it naturally comes to you that you feel, I've, I've built it up, it's nearly 15 yeah. years. And uh, so we were approached by a venture capitalist company um, who said, look, we want to, we definitely want blue. We want blue on our books. And we sort of plumassed them and met with them and said, this will be the minimum figure. Mm. And in the end, then we decided, let's go out. We were dealing with um, IBI, who were part of Bank of Ireland mm. at the time, and Eversheds <coughs> are legal. Um, but we went out to the market and we had about six venture capitalists looking to buy us and two insurance industry that's uh, a nice position to be in it is it is but it's it's stressful as well very stressful um the amount of work the due diligence that you have to do during that period you are taking your eye off the ball now we were told you're gonna you're, you're gonna end up taking your eye off the ball but make sure you're still keeping a close eye in the background yeah and we did we during that whole process we did keep an eye we made sure we kept growing. So even during that period, we still grew 15% um, with that going on. But in the end, we decided Cover More was the right company for us. Um, they're an Australian travel insurance, probably the second biggest in the world now. And they're owned by the Zurich Group. Mm. So um, yeah, they're good guys. So and Blue has a new, a new Blue mommy. Has a new, a blue <laughs> owner. I'm no longer the boss. So I have a boss now. So um, and, and I suppose that brings me to the next part and, and you are very passionate about business for impact and sure. you, you started um, the next phase of your um, business life which is in investment and, and supporting yeah. uh, startups and new business. So Yeah, so Catanical, I, I, was, I was asked to come down to the Cork Entrepreneur Conference um, and be a mentor for uh, Carl Murray in Catanical uh, Essential Oils. Um, Unfortunately, the snow came that year, I think. It was, was that in 18 or 17, the big snow during yeah. the March or whatever. Anyway, so I met with Carl afterwards, and I liked the product. One of my friends was already using it, raving about the essential oils on it. Um, sat down, ran through it, good margin in it as well. Yeah. And I said, I'd actually be interested in investing in it. So uh, this year, I took a 50% share in the business. Fantastic. And now we're looking to grow to the next level, brought in diffusers, essential odds, expanding that, doing candles. And just the health and well-being market is becoming really important, even from an insurance point of view as well. Um, so it's really taking care of yourself. Everybody's more stressed. Personal life, whether it's, whether it's larger mortgages or whatever it is, the health and well-being is really good. And the essential oils and what that can give to you, whether it's relaxation, 
whether it's invigoration, whatever, I kind of feel it's really and good. And so the insur- your insurance background informed your decision to invest in Cotanicals? Um, I don't, well, I don't know if it's insurance background, but I did, I, like I've I been approached by a number. Trends is, is what consumer I'm saying. Trends is one. I love the brand. It's a premium brand. And I sat with Carl and we worked on changing it and changing the site. Um, and it is a premium brand. Like we're, we're looking to go into um, a, large, a large store this year with it. But again, is keep it premium and look at significant amount of it online as well. Lovely. Um, but I do think it's going to be very successful. And one day maybe Carl will be uh, on on the EY Entrepreneur <laughs> of the Year finalist and maybe a winner. We'll never know. Lovely. It's nice to be kind of starting again in one way. Yeah, no, it's brilliant. And, and look, for me, I'm starting my life again as well. Um, I recently got engaged to my partner, Brian. And um, so in the next two years, we'll look at getting married. And we've, we have a cockapoo now, Cooper, oh, who's all over social. He's sorted. taken over everything where normally it would have been me traveling away. And uh, I'm also looking at launching um, a travel media company as well. So that's coming in, Very the, exciting. in the near soon. So. Very exciting. Oh, I'm going to ask you one last question, which is, um, I suppose, the nugget, and it enshrines everything um, that I suppose the viewers and listeners want to know about your company, why is it successful? What has made Blue such a phenomenon? I think the people is the key thing. Um, every member, and, and a lot of people say that, it might be seemed, but it is so important to the business. Everybody, or the majority of people in that business, want that business to succeed. They've been proud of the business from when we had three people to 85 people. Everyone gets behind it. They love when you get the awards. The culture in the business is so important. And I think people have to look after staff, and especially in the current climate, when, when you have full employment, is to, to look after staff as much as possible. Um, procurement has been a key to success from making sure we had the right deals, the right price, whether it's with our insurance products or whether it's with media buying or whatever. That has been a key thing. But I think, you know, as I say to anyone, if ever you ever have a complaint in our office, I say to my staff, if this was one of your family members, do you feel that they're getting treated well? And if not, then you go and fight the battle for that customer to make sure that that claim gets settled or whatever the issue is, you resolve it. And I think it's been fair. And I think success of a business is a happy customer. Amen to that. That's it. Thank you so much for your time. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you for having me. Thanks for listening to Joe's Architects of Business, made in partnership with EY Entrepreneur of the Year. Thanks to all the team here at Maximum Studios and, of course, to our guest, Kieran Mulligan. If you haven't already done so, please do subscribe to get a brand new episode of this podcast for free every fortnight into your feed. I'm Sonia Lennon. Thanks for listening. The Architects of Business on Joe, in partnership with EY Entrepreneur of the Year, telling the inspirational stories behind Ireland's most successful entrepreneurs. Entrepreneurs.